you say something about how to relate to past abuses or hurts and the anger one feels or desire for revenge how to let go of the past and be free what is a wholesome way to grieve for a loved one who has died how to break through a lifetime of ferocious resistance to the renunciation of unskillful habits addictive behaviours intention is not enough certain um, connections there dealing with the mind and it's um, stuck places so we have how to relate to past abuses or hurts and the anger one feels a desire for revenge how to let go of the past Another one: How to let go of ferocious resistance to to renunciation, <laughs> or so letting go. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually you know some of these specific points, but there's a general point about letting go of uh, painful mental experience. Um, one is that the uh, person can't do it. Um, so it doesn't work quite like that, though one can check, stop, restrain. You know. That doesn't really fulfill letting go, it's not a bad place to start, to stop acting upon them. Um, but as we know, they still can remain perniciously embedded despite one's good intentions. So really, a person can't do it, it's, but awareness can do it. Awareness can do it. But unfortunately, I don't want to be aware. One wants to get rid of it instead. Instead of being aware of it, like it not to happen at all. So that, there's the there's the nub of the of the of the problem. Because when one is aware of these difficult states, we get very very reactive. We feel vengeful, raging, annoyed. Uh, visions, memories of the past occurs, and this thing sw- sweeps up, and we just feel very uh, sort of uh, uncollected. Or you get uh, addictive habits where you, you try to let go of them, and they just keep welling up, pushing again. You're disappointed with oneself, and sometimes ashamed, or so. Actually, there's no. They can't let go of the past because here we are. Chitta doesn't move in terms of time. Um, so, in, in reality, there is no past. Reality is just this, um, with these experiences, this existence, which is all the stuff that's flowing, and the reality is awareness of those. That existing quality, existing experiences, existing qualities carry memory, pattern, repeated patterns, 
and uh, desires and fears and various forms. There's no past really to let go of, but there are echoes, you could say, resonances, and that's what we can deal with or meet. But you have to meet them actually in their in their truth, and uh, and directly. Now, when we think of things, that's not that's that's a, that's a representation experience of jitter experience. Jitter doesn't doesn't have thought. That's perceptions, impressions, and feeling. And it sort of sends out energies, called sankharas, that, that go to another organ called mano, conceiving mind, and that creates thoughts that in a way express the feeling the activities of jitta express the activity of jitta the activity of jitta could be raging, distressed and so forth and the thoughts are images, pictures noise, sounds, words uh, that represent that experience jitta experiences pain, painful feeling and perception so and so did this or didn't do that, that perception, that image comes up and then the energy rushes out and creates a thought, thoughts that add in details. And so often we are dealing with secondary uh, level of experience, which is the thought level. It's by no means, you know, clear logical thought, but it's got a lot of thought in it, keeps triggering the whole thing again. And then we we can't think our way out of it because that's also secondary to redirect, which is to go to the feeling. And handle feeling, mental feeling. So this is what uh, a process of filtering or channeling or funneling, whereby all that is uh, uh, we experience as our world of past then what, what actually is the gist of that one of these stories that we have, one of these pieces that we carry, gist of it is uh, feel, oh, gist of it is abuse, you could say that's, that's, there's that word, abused hurt and then pain so the perception of being helpless or betraying or whatever, that impression and the feeling, disagreeable feeling. So that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now the exercise that uh, I would encourage is to just keep doing that uh, and building up enough mindfulness and deep attention to to do that. Take it in, get to the point, and use the presence of the body as a mooring post 
something you can feel yourself sitting or walking, walking, maybe useful, standing, you just feel that sense of that presence. And until you have that, it's, it's, it's rather difficult to do this exercise in, in meditation. You'd have to go to a therapist and do it that way. If you want to do it in meditation, you have to have mindfulness, strong mindfulness, strong enough to handle this. So mindfulness, the ability to hold something steadily, you know, to bear it in mind, to keep bearing it in mind, and to not let it spin off into past, future, then me, she, it, but just bear in mind this is unpleasant feeling. And so that takes quite a lot of, of strong mindfulness to, to, hold, to hold that. So until that's there, then uh, one is encouraged generally to, um, to sort of put the topic to one side and uh, keep strengthening the quality of embodied mindfulness. But you'll also notice that that other um, occasions can carry some of that impression, some of the sense of feeling lessened, feeling uh, disagreeable feeling. So, you know, you get plenty of chances to work with disagreeable feeling in meditation. <laughs> so it's not as if, you know, you, you, you've got to hang around for years before you can deal with it because you, it starts happening <laughs> pretty quick. But you may be dealing with lesser intensities of it. Just uh, getting fed up with oneself or a bit disappointed or frustrated or not making progress it comes down to the same thing disagreeable feeling, disagreeable feeling, disagreeable feeling and the, uh, what the person does they try to flick that away but you can't because it's, 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 it's in the mind where's it going to go to? how can you throw it out of your mind? where's it going to go to? Where's the feeling go? You can't get rid of it. You can what you generally, ordinary person, do they put something else there instead? You turn your attention to something more agreeable so the pleasant feeling doesn't occupy the centre of your attention. And you can do that in meditation practice too. You deliberately turn away to something whereby you feel more confident, more inspired, more quality thoughts and memories and perceptions that bring up a sense of contentment or happiness and you do that and that's, that's fine it hasn't really dealt with the unpleasant feeling but we've sort of you know not at least got just obsessed with it and you start to build up the capacity to stay out of the unpleasant feeling while you gather strength and you feel more comfortable and contented and you've got that and that's, that's definitely um, you know, standard practice uh, and building up mindfulness through exercises, exercises such as mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of body to let mindfulness become strong and uh, 
you also begin to see that um, unpleasant feeling is not really you, it's something that happens to you, it's not like you are the victim of life. There is a bit of it, I like that, but also you're the beneficiary of many good things, so you get less, too, less sort of intensely identified with that, um, that area of unpleasant feeling and the perceptions. Yeah, everybody gets bashed around a bit, but we also receive many blessings in our lives. So it just helps to to lessen the identification. Like I am really, this is what I am. No, no, this is what you get. This is one of the things you get. Everybody gets this, and that slightly changes some of the uh, the um, intensity of it, the identification with it. Yeah. So that's, that's actually a major step. To, because as long as we identify with it, then the same historical story comes up. And we keep recreating ourselves in a tragedy. It's an unconscious action, but like many actions uh, of, that are associated with ignorance, it, it's crazy, it's destructive, and yet we do it because it's not under, it's not personal, it's not under one's control, it's just that's what happens. And so this identification with disagreeable experience, and you, you know, you can configure it, and an untrained mind can build this up to an obsession, whereby they become that, uh, and they walk it, and they can't forget it, and they live with it, and their last dying moments are still stuck with it. Anything as if nothing good ever happened, and they are that. So very important to first of all, this is not self. This is just a, a, a phenomenon, uh, an aspect of heart. This is the broken heart, or the damaged heart, or the bruised heart. And then we are actually this is even entity, which is much more like a, kaleidos, a whirling kaleidoscope. And these are one of the features in that in that turning. Yeah. So you see it with a little bit of detachment and dispassion, that certainly helps to place it uh, a respectful distance, so it's no longer quite so intense, no longer so feeling, so identified with it, so there's less uh, pressure to get rid of it. It's just part of the landscape, you could say. And then we can actually, all this and the ongoing, so a little bit of wisdom there, uh, uh, and then the ongoing uh, development of mindfulness and the ability to stay grounded in the presence of unpleasant feeling. So, building that up. This is what embodiment does. Body builds up this sense of being able to stay grounded, and then unpleasant, unpleasant feeling happens. Instead of everything rocking to and fro, you uh-huh. just like you're standing on the deck of a ship, it's swinging, but because you've got strong groundedness, your feet hold and you don't slip over. So it's something of that nature. So then, instead of the, f- the feeling just immediately uh, generating these strong activations and reactions where everything starts to, to uh, cascade 
into into unskillful mind states. We bear presence with the unpleasant feeling, and uh, that is that is very powerful. Now it may sound as if uh, and this means you just hold a position, but actually bearing presence with unpleasant feeling is a little more developed than that. Uh, so you have that grounded sense and then recognizing that you can't separate unpleasant feeling from your mind. Right? Where is it going to go? You begin to include it. So you have a grounded quality, steady quality, and then the inclination to be present with unpleasant feeling, hurtful feeling, sore feeling, over theirs. What about instead of this constant sense of trying to push it away and get rid of it and and so forth, there could be a sense of to widen one's awareness and sense this is a feeling feeling is a feeling and include it because it is included it is happening to you interesting thing about mental feeling is mental feeling is uh, based upon um, not on resistance on not liking something based upon resisting wishing to exclude something opposing <coughs> resisting <coughs> Don't want this. So that energy generates a particular tension and a conflict. Uh, uh, this is where the you know, with a memory or the perception, impression, don't want that. Uh, and so, if that resistance can subside. then feeling subsides. So that's the um, model. Any specific example, because this may seem rather mysterious, I guess we all have our, our <coughs> stories. You know. uh, and, you know, in my own experience, then actually in, in human life, you, you know, uh, feel betrayed or let down or accused or misunderstood, and 
these kind of things, you know, and I make my life is not really tragic at all. Maybe with some people, but yeah, it has that. And sometimes you need to stick there because you, you don't want to have this, and they shouldn't have done that. And after all, I tried, and then that's really didn't, you know, I did try, and I, that was wrong. It's, it's not right. I mean, you know, after all I did, it would be painful. And then there's, you know, after all, there's this kind of spluttering away. And then, you know, dang it, and so and so and so and so, and you feel you like, you know, you want to give them a swipe. <laughs> there's nobody there. Because <laughs> it's all in your mind, isn't it? There's nobody you can kind of sock it to, and there's nobody there to do it to. So you, and you think, oh, I shouldn't have this negative feeling. This is horrible. This is ugly. This is ugly. coming unskillful. Stop it. Right now. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Then it's still there. Then you can do this. Oh, I'll try to forgive instead. Well, you know, everybody has a bad day. Maybe you just had a rough time. And after all, so the world will be imperfect. Last night, man. So, yeah, 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 true. But you shouldn't have done it. <laughs> you know, that's wrong. That hurt. And I need an apology something like that. So, you know, you can be quite reasonable about it all, but still it doesn't actually get rid of that experience. Yeah. And just saying you should be forgiving doesn't do it either. Of course we should, but we don't. How do you do forgiving anyway? So, uh, and then, you know, so I contemplate myself just spending time and then realising I've actually got to really listen to this horrible thing, this horrible thing. I don't want this nasty, crumbly, moaning mind. I don't want it. I've got to listen to this petty, picky, uh, grumbling mind with its bitterness, resentment, <laughs> self-pity. <laughs> I don't want this. What's really going on in here? Underneath all those kind of layers of activation, hurt. You know, that's what it is, hurt. Feel hurt. Okay, so we get to the point. Now just focus. Steadying, holding one's mind carefully, holding the heart carefully, go down to the point of the arrow, widen, soften, be there with the let the images disappear and the stories disappear. Feel the feeling as a feeling. Just that. And it rises and passes and dissolves. That took five years. (laughs) (laughs) To get to the point. Then, having got to the point, having known that feeling is impermanent and not self. 
because at that point when you get to the feet there's nobody doing it to you the image is gone there's not even somebody being, there's just the pain the panging and the squirming and then eventually when the squirming stops it's just the pain and you and it arises bursts and dissolves then one can start doing the forgiving if you like because the uh, anger has gone and something has discharged pent up frustration is discharged is feel well it took years to get to that I don't want to bother with that pick up the story anymore it's finished it's gone there's no rancor left in that because this, the cause the condition of it isn't there still making very well saying what a person was unskillful, but that's just the state it doesn't have that same emotional pressure in it because the seed of hurt has dissolved. <coughs> and once that's gone, then like any other human being, you do recognize, well, okay, she did do that, but I'm not going to make that a focus of my life anymore. I've finished and left that behind. And, you know, she did say that, he did do that, they didn't do that. You know, that was one time or two times or one month or five times, not the whole story of my life. We'll move on, move on, just let the person go their way or we're finished with that piece and you start to acknowledge, yeah, it wasn't all bad. There were other things that were helpful or skillful or okay in that relationship. Now you see in perspective. Until that the arrow is out of the wound, then it, it ability to generate a hypnotic focus. A hypnotic focus that mesmerizes and catches one's attention. That's the nature of feeling. The jitter is moved by feeling. Pleasant feeling, painful feeling. And um, you know, it's the cultivation, an important step for the jitta to make. You know, when it doesn't move in time, it may take 10 years to actually, in, you know, calendar time, to make the only step that's necessary, the only move that's necessary is to open to unpleasant feeling. That was all that was necessary. One step. That's the movement that was required. Not five years, not ten years, not one day, not figuring this person out, not becoming a different kind of person, not being a nice person, not being a good person, not being wonderful, forgiving, but just the one step of how to be with unpleasant feeling and not get reactive, contracted, closed down, clamped onto it. When you don't clamp, when the mind doesn't clamp around it, 
the arrow drops down. <clears throat> this is the nature of mind. Now we don't necessarily associate this uh, experience of uh, you know rec- remembering past hurts as clinging, but it is. And clinging isn't something we decide to do, it's an automatic reflex that happens like a mechanical reflex and the trigger of it is the desire or craving. So the craving to get rid of something causes clinging. It's like it's a push-button system. The craving to have something, become something, be another kind of person, clinging. So when we're dealing with negative states, often it's the case, how do I deal with, how do I make peace? What we really mean is how do I get rid of this unpleasant feeling? <laughs> That's quite understandable. Yeah. Yeah. But as long as that's there, clean. Clean. What happens is one increasingly becomes rather like a grit in an oyster. Gradually this negative pearl starts to form around that grit and you become a pearl of hatred. (laughs) 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 Well, you've got that, it becomes a big lump in you. You know, it's still not completely, it's a big lump, stuck lump. And every time, it's like builds up layers, you know, because the grit hasn't been taken out. So there's, there's layers of the mind's inability to, to bear with feeling. But it's not like, oh, you shouldn't cling. It's not a personal thing, it's a mechanism. I'm craving to get rid of something, mind closes. That's what it does. It's a kind of defense system, you know? Something comes up and you find it very difficult, you close. You don't want the unpleasant feeling. You can't bear it. You feel overwhelmed by it. So your mechanism is closed. Get rid of it. Don't let it happen to me. It's already happened to you. You can't stop it. It's already happened. You're closing around it keeps it in there. <laughs> now, this is not a logical system by any means. And you can't logically tell yourself not to close. You can't help it. Yeah, painful feeling will close around. The mental feeling will close. That closure will occur. Okay, so... <clears throat> so this takes profound training and to do the opposite. Now, we can't do this in our personality, you can only do it with embodied awareness. So because you need the, the just the sheer resilient, grounded, safe strength that embodied awareness gives you. And you feel centered, you feel steady. You've got that gravity, you could say, and you've got your place where you feel secure, and then you can start to open and widen, and you come to these areas which are not so agreeable, where you're a bit itchy or wavery or tense or reactive, and you just get to the edge of those, and that's where letting go can happen. If the awareness is stronger, 
than the quality of the dissonance then it digests it, you could say, discharges it. By and large, when one's dealing with unpleasant uh, feeling, you want to kind of go to, take it slow, you go to the edge of it. Yeah. And again, this is uh, uh, particularly training because feeling got a certain hypnotic pull to it. We didn't go right into it, into the sore spot. And you want to stay more or less like it's there, and here I am with it rather than in it. I'm aware of this rather than just totally immersed in it. Aware of it, and then beginning to sense the mind tensing up, it's kind of about to struggle and begin to relax that. So it's like uh, working from, you know through the layers of agitation and feeling your body as a steady presence with it. And the movement of um, you know uh, widening one's awareness so from say a grounded state that very movement, the movement to include, is the movement of goodwill. It's a natural quality of, of heart. When we feel safe and steady, something is, tends to wish to widen and soften and include things. This is beautiful. So anyone who has practiced in, you know, and found this groundedness will find themselves quite naturally inclining towards any kind of expression of goodwill, uh, inclusiveness, touching others, sympathy, compassion, concern, generosity, that becomes quite natural. They have to force it. It's not a social gesture. It's a natural inclination of of grounded awareness. Uh, So it does that. Uh, of course, the, the tricky bit is how to widen and include one's own pain, or what seems to be one's own pain, the pain. But consider it like that. It is a gesture of goodwill and compassion, where it really, really, really matters. Otherwise, You'll be formed in that, formed by that pain for a long time, and it will limit you and obstruct you. <coughs> Similarly, we want to wholesome to grieve for a loved one who has died. Again, uh, grief is a very, naturally, very unsettling experience. We feel shaken, we feel disoriented, we feel uncentered, kind of slightly woozy, we feel there's an absence in our lives. And often people, uh, well, I don't know, but people may very well count seem to, to cheer up or get over it or 
something or another, or it's all past, or things are impermanent, remember that. And so, thank you, you I did notice that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this isn't time you want philosophers to to give you advice. (laughs) But uh, then, again, it's, it's how to be present with it unpleasant feeling, disagreeable feeling and uh, so you don't really, it's not like holding on to the person but just bear them in mind bear what they mean to you in mind you know, obviously the physical form is dissolved, but the sanya the perception, the impression is there we're all part of each other you know in, in, in the immaterial sphere, everyone we meet in some way leaves an impression on us, on this mind, on this formation. That's the way it is. And to people who associate for a long time, for sure, that leaves its, its impressions. And uh, it's like, almost like a, a pattern. And then when the recognition, so that's there. When they die, it's still there. Because it's been implanted, or, or grown, one's mind has grown into that, one's mind stream, one's sankara's formed around that. That's the way it is. So it doesn't just snap out of it. And so we bear that, that meaning. You know, she was so good to me, she meant the world to me, he was so loyal. You know, I owe him a lot. Stay with that. Feel sad, that's okay. Stay with it. And you can um, you know, what you can do of course is, is dedicate offerings. It's what ritual is about. Ritual helps to take us to the imaginative level of the mind. It's not a rational procedure at all, it takes us to the imaginative level where you can speak to the person who's passed, that you can offer. You can hold them in your heart. And uh, so then, you know, the sense of the real pang of, of, of grief is the, the sense of the immediate rupture of, 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 of a bond, of a connection. So you try to lessen that by, by bearing the person in mind. So there isn't that same sense of, you know, a total rupture. Uh, and then gradually, you know, let them go their, their way and realizing that whatever's meaningful about them, that's for you. That's their gift to you. Whatever's meaningful, that's for to form you, that was their gift, just as you can be a gift to other people. So that's beautiful. That's the human condition. And yeah, we feel sad, but sadness is not really a, a problem. Disorientation is a problem. But so we have to rather go, what do I do about this? What you do about it is stay with it, embrace the feeling, honor the perception, be with that. And you do that for, you know, sometimes in meditation times or ritual times, until things have moved along, moved on a bit.
resistance to letting go of unskillful habits, addictive behaviors, intention is not enough. Well, intention is all you have. But uh, intention goes a little deeper than just uh, like a mental uh, action, like a mental determination. It's got to have a certain uh, energy in it. And the energy, this is why embodiment is helpful, because your intention gathers the strength that comes with embodiment. So it's like a, uh, not just a, a psychological resolve. Okay. So the mind gains greater strength through um, meditation, through this samadhi, when you centered ground, mind gains great strength because all its energies are now contained instead of being dissipated into a thousand and one things, they gradually collected so the energies of mind have become uh, powerful and collected then you have something strong to work with that can push or resist the push of craving. Now, but then one could very well say, well, yeah, but I don't have that strength, that samadhi. So, yeah, really, that's an ongoing cultivation. You know, the cultivation is a view of wisdom. Uh, so you can try to use both of these. Wisdom, you just notice the nature of the, the addictive, unskilled behavior. What does it get you to? What does it promise? When you enter it, promises some kind of ease or gratification or escape from pressure escape from painful feeling and so you, the mind rushes down that ends up somewhere where you feel that is a very good so that's the way it is who is that, what is that and uh, is it possible to um, when you get to where, where does it arise from what is the hunger that one is trying to satisfy And is it possible to, you know, diversion tactic, place something else there, deliberately turn the mind to something else, sound, chanting, uh, movement, physical action, walking, turn the mind to something else. So you uh, try to lessen the immediate rush into those actions. And whatever you can do on the external level in terms of deliberately checking speech or action. Uh, So you work like that. You begin to starve a creature (coughs) with resolution. It's a sheer blocking technique, and it's like you know, imagine child says, like you know, you, you can't you put the tiger in a cage and you don't feed it, so you 
So there's a, you use that basic uh, system. And then as you're holding that in bay, holding that back, and you try to build up in the meditation the adequate uh, strength of mind that can stay present when the craving pushes and uh, patiently bear with it and not adopt the perceptions that it dangles in front of you. <laughs> the mind is only <laughs> only moves towards perceptions. Just it can only is only affected by perceptions and feeling. So we're not you know, craving bananas or music or cocaine, whatever. We crave a particular perception of delight, say, for example, a release of fulfillment, or problems are over, end of painful, end of boring, glorious, flooded with good, good, rich stuff. That's 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 the carrot, isn't it? That's the thing with the whether it's jewellery or cars or whatever it is, it's gonna give me a big hit of joy juice. And it does for a oh, good three seconds. <laughs> Sometimes. But <laughs> it gets weak you've got to get a bigger hit. And you start driving. You know, as soon as you get it, you don't want it. So the perception is like a phantom, uh, glittering, glowing phantom. Once you grab it, it dissolves, and it dances off to to front of you again. So you have to see that. What does the the object of desire craving mean? It means joy, joy juice of some kind, happiness, release, freedom, irresponsible having fun, whatever it is, and get that, see, so you can, again, filter or break down the the evolved story to this simple nugget, and this is process of deep attention, which I can't, can't emphasize too strongly, because this is the one that reduces the complexities of our life, the simple, manageable nuggets that you've got some chance of, of handling. When it's blown out into the complexities of the world, it's very difficult. You get down to the nuggets, there are not really that many. It's just the big one, the pleasant fulfillment gratification nugget. <laughs> uh, and that's a perception. Can you hold that in mind? Can you bear it in mind? Just hold it there's almost like an image. It's pulsing, whatever it is. Can you can you do that? Don't try and get rid of it, just crystallize it, break it down to something that you can be a witness to. And so this is the understanding, you know. All dhammas are surmountable by mindfulness and by wisdom. Wisdom can dominate them. 
but you have to make it something you can be mindful of definitely a discrete single phenomenon perception that's the direct phenomenon that touches the mind it's just that and what is perception? what is an impression? it's glowing, dancing will-o'-the-wisp fairy, ghost nothing solid it's just mind-made an impression containing all the power of uh, that jitta has given it leaked into it so we holding that you realize you don't just want to get rid of this thing you want to get your power back from it that craving is ripping you off and it's locked your power your beauty your happiness into a ghost into a perception into something that's no substance substance at all biggest rip off anyone's ever done and we all participate in it. Well, ignorance has done it. Say, so I want it back. I'm getting it back. <coughs> because this has been going on for too damn long. You know, this has been going on for lifetimes. So it's there. And you feel the pull to that. And again, you know, where you really got to build up some strength. So it's there. Bring it up, put it down, bring it up, put it down. If you can even move it, bring it up, put it down. You start to develop a certain authority. You're not just a blind puppet to that. Feel what it does to your body. The charging of energy, the rushing, the glowing in the skin, the stirring in the belly, whatever it does. Hold it in your body, breathe out steadily, determining that. You start to break the hypnotic pull of this, then the fairy loses some of its power. Yeah. You don't even get rid; you're just starting to lessen your your being pulled into it. As soon as you lessen the pull into it, you are checking the leakage of your chitta into that thing. It's got no innate power at all. It's only made powerful because of its ability to draw your juice out of you if you start even checking the, the amount of energy you give to that it's going to start to wane and so as you, it loses energy you get you suddenly get a little more confident get stronger and you start to get back and as that Form, perceptual form begins to lose its charisma, and glory, and power, and demonic power. You start get, you start gaining, and you get strong. Yeah. So this is by no means like some kind of surgery where you chop chop something off. This is <coughs> transmutation. Yeah. So we get 
It's not that we're trying to cut something off from ourselves, we're actually regaining. So the elimination of, of craving is not just, well, you know, it is an elimination of craving, but it's also an empowerment of chitta. It's not like you just lose something, you gain. You gain strength, you gain clarity, you gain uh, juice, you know, and your life is bright. And then this stuff is just bird food, you know. <laughs> so, but sure, you know, renouncing it isn't gonna is enough, but checking in, right? Distilling it down to its core quality, visualizing it, you know, it's there. You know, you can give it a name, call it Herbert if you like, whatever you want to call it, Mara. <laughs> there it is, you know, your favorite demon. Okay, there you go, you look it in the eyes, okay, not messing with you. You ain't getting me. So stand, hold your ground. And that demon starts to be a little bit less confident because you're not getting pulled into it. Energy starts to come your way. Demon loses his or energy, his energy starts to come your way. And that's the way you do it. That's transmutation. The way it works. So this is, you know, a beautiful process because this means we're actually, you know, I'm, I'm living on channel defilement. <laughs> it's just, you know, as you don't have less defilement, the, the energy of those comes. Return to you uh, definitely, uh, but it's not because you don't have any, or you just did some nice cut and paste job and snipped them out. No, it's because you have to struggle with them and wrestle with them and uh, find the, the particular understanding. This is not self, and these are just mirages and. Uh, they're glorious, they're interesting, they're exciting, they're stimulating, they're repetitive, they say I've got you. But the only thing you've got to really work with is the, the, the blind pull into it. I don't necessarily got to get rid of your, your fantasies and your fascinations, but the blind pull into them, the dhamma and the ignorance, that's it. Uh, and then you gradually find that's lessening you feel the, the strength coming back, you get confident, you get self-respect, and gradually the tide turns. That's the way you do it. And again, you know, once included in the awareness. But if you include the awareness doesn't mean you, you, you go into it or follow it. Just that in awareness and that, that that's your that's your territory, that's your safe place, is your your mindfulness territory is your safe 
place you stay in there and the demons have to come in there and that's where you can start to deconstruct them not elsewhere okay so I hope some of that might be useful Uh, and now it's time to take a break Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.